You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. Good morning. I have to apologize. I'm really not getting my doctorate. Someone who came after me after church. Are you uh, going back to school to get your doctorate? No, not that smart. I wish, but you can, you'll never call me doctorate unless it's an honorary doctorate. Maybe Mountain View could give us honorary doctorates. I never thought about that just now. Well, I'm Kurt Niebachin. My wife, Brenda, and I, we do the children's ministry here, in case you didn't know. And I'm very, very honored to be here this morning to speak with you. Thank you for tuning in online. It's great for you to be with us, and we really appreciate that. <clears throat> well, welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Huh? I'm excited about that, right? I think what we'll do is we just decided to just show the pregame coverage this morning instead. Is that all right? People are like, what? This is fantastic. This is a great church. I'm coming back for sure now. Nobody ever does this. <laughs> Kidding. We won't do that. Thankfully, they have numbered the Super Bowls, so we know what number we're on. Unfortunately, nobody knows what number we're on because nobody reads Roman numerals, right? Oh, it was fun in the beginning. When it was I, 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 V, 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 I. But now it's like L's and V's and X's, and I have no idea what, what number it is. It's like nobody, nobody cares anyway. I mean, it's not like we say, hey, 54 was way better than 53. We don't do that. So it doesn't matter. I just want to enjoy the game and, and the commercials. That's all. That's all that matters to me. So that you know where I'll be today, this afternoon, okay? But I just want to, uh, I want to share some things with you this morning. And before we get going, every so often, a headline pops up into, into the forefront and somehow it gets past the editors, it gets past the proofreaders, and somehow it makes it into print, and you look at the headline, and all of a sudden you go, hmm. You ever done that before? How'd that get into print? So I want to take just a few minutes before we get started, and I just want to share some ads with you that I thought were kind of funny, and they make you go, hmm. You ready for that? Okay, well, let's get going here. Now, here's something that I didn't know, okay? I'm so glad that somebody wrote an editorial about this. <laughs> Turns out sewers are not good playgrounds. I did not know that. How about this next one? Safety board investigates a fatal crash. Look at the next picture. 
So far, they've determined that the crash occurred when the plane struck the ground. <laughs> hey, it's this unparalleled, you know, level of journalism that always keeps bringing me back for more. That's, I don't know. Now, I'm a reasonable guy, all right? But this is ridiculous. Check out the hands-free magnifier. Says it allows you to easily focus without annoying eyeglasses or contacts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why would I want to wear contacts when I can wear something beautiful like that? <laughs> All right, how about this next one? Museums full of history. Great observation. Here's another one. Your writers are out of story ideas. How's that for an observation? <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Utah Poison Control Center reminds everyone not to take poison. Wow. Hold on. Let's hear them out here. Give us one good reason why we shouldn't take poison, and we'll do it. All right, folks, try, try and follow here. This ad is for a back-to-school half-price sale. Notice what it says there. 10% off any pair bought and get second pair at 10% off, then take half-price off that shoe, higher price change charged for first. What in the world are you talking about here? I'm lost. But it's a good thing on this next picture. We have two names that you can really trust in real estate. You ready for this? Think and lied. <laughs> you want to get it done right and honestly, think and lied. Or how about the vascular partners of comprehensive cardiovascular care? Look at these two doctors. Look at, look at the close-up of these two doctors. Dr. French Fry, what? That's probably how they got working on heart attacks in the first place. <laughs> All right, look at uh, a BLT for $1.85. What would, can you imagine that? Lettuce and tomato are 10 cents extra. What? You're getting a bee sandwich, and you got to order the special order the L and the T. What's that about? That's false advertising. That's nothing but a bee sandwich with options. All right? Like they have to, how, how many of you have said, have a lettuce, may I have a lettuce sandwich, please? Tomatoes only. Oh, a BLT. No tomatoes. Well, this one has to be my favorite driving tip of all times. Look at this. When being pulled out of a ditch, do not drive immediately back into the ditch. Thank you for that. Because I was going to go back into the ditch. I thought that's how it worked. Here's kids in the kitchen. Hey, mom and dad, it says. Try these easy-to-prepare recipes with your children. All right, look at the next picture. Look at the fruitcake bars here. Recipe, first one and a half cups of raisins, and what, a quarter cup of bourbon? No way. 
That's not happening in our house. All right, I think we're going to have to stop there. You guys are out of control. So why don't we do this? We'll transition. We'll turn to our Bibles. Mark chapter 2. Seriously, Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at 1 through 5. We're going to look at another passage uh, also this morning. But I want to start in Mark chapter 2, 1 through 5. Um, or you can head over to the Bible app. A lot of people don't use the Bible app, but it's a fantastic opportunity uh, to save your notes, to see all maybe graphics and pictures and and points and and the and the everything's there. It's just a, it's a wonderful opportunity to to really have that wherever you go. That way, you know, you have an outline, and you'll go. What did he say yesterday? And I didn't happen to write that down, but you know what? I can go to my Bible. I, boom, there it is. Always have it. I've entitled this message "Holding the Rope." All right, holding the rope, and and this will make sense as we begin to get through this. But I want to take a few minutes to, to, to just be reminded of what it means to invest in one another. Because I think that's what's going to take our church from one level to the next. All right. Last week, Pastor Mike talked about friendship. And we didn't even collaborate at all on this. But he talked about friendship. And now we're going to talk about how to take that friendship to the next level. Um, investing in one another. And so that's amazing how God works these kind of things out all the time. All right. Mark chapter 2, 1 through 5. Here we go. Jesus went back to Capernaum, and a few days later, people heard that he was at home. Then so many of them came to the house that there wasn't even standing room left in front of the door. Jesus was still teaching when four people came up carrying a crippled man on a mat. But because of the crowd, they could not get him to Jesus. So they made a hole in the roof above him and let the man down in front of everyone. How unique. When Jesus saw how much faith they had, he said to the crippled man, my friend, your sins are forgiven. Now I want to look at four characteristics that the men possessed who carried their friend to Jesus. What four characteristics did these guys have that made them do such a thing? All right. Number one, they were concerned about other people. That's the first thing that has to happen. You got to have a concern for other people. You got to care about people. They were willing to give up their front row. All right. They wanted to give up their front row, especially, we don't like to give up our front row, especially if we like something, okay? That's why we're working on making these, this section here a little cheaper, as you can, some people can't, we need to make, Mike, we need to make these free so people can be in the front row, right? But when Jesus is preaching, you want to be in the front row. You want to be up front because you know something's going to happen, Right? And so all four of these guys, they could have gotten in the front row. They could have got to church early that day. But they chose not to. They, they gave up everything so that they could get their friend on a mat and somehow get him to Jesus. They didn't have it figured out, but they figured it out. Okay. 
And so number one, they were concerned about other people. Number two, they possessed a spirit of cooperation. They knew it was going to have to be a team effort. They knew that they were going to have to do it together, all right? If they were going to get their friend to Jesus, it was going to be a group effort. They knew they were going to have to work hard together. They were going to have to be a team. They were going to have to join hands. They were going to all have to grab a corner of the mat if they were going to get this job done, all right? So they possessed a spirit of cooperation. Number three, they knew that the only answer was Jesus. It always is. Always has to be. Jesus has got to be the number one answer. And it was for these guys. They knew. They knew if their friend was going to have a, have, a, have a chance in life, it was going to have to be because of Jesus. All right? You might know somebody. You might know somebody like that. You go, you know what? I love you. I care for you. But you need Jesus. You ever said that to somebody before? You maybe you didn't say it to them, but you thought it. All right? So they knew their only answer was Jesus, and it was that answer that caused them to be intent, caused them to be persistent, caused them to be successful. And I'm sure it entered their mind as they were, you know, carrying this, this guy through Capernaum, you know, this guy's heavy. And then they get to the house, and they see the crowd, and they go, we're sunk. What are we going to do? And they figured it out, and they thought, well, you know, but knowing that Jesus was their only answer, all right, gave them the intensity that they needed to get the job done, to do something extraordinary, all right? They were willing to be different, and they were willing to go the second mile because they knew that this man needed Jesus. Now, I want to emphasize that Today's message is not just about recognizing people who carry a mat. But understanding that we need to be that person who's willing to carry the mat. This is about you and me. Not about going, oh, boy, that person really needed to hear that. I need to hear this as much as anybody. But they, needed, they knew this man needed Jesus. Number four, they had their priorities straight. They, they had their priorities straight. Can you imagine as the Lord is teaching, all of a sudden there's noise on the roof. He's trying to get through his message. There's noise on the roof. They begin to hear noise up there. All of a sudden sawdust starts falling from the ceiling. Imagine that. But notice what it says in verse 5. Jesus saw how much faith they had. That's an interesting response. Not a response I would have had. But that's what he said. He simply recognized their faith. That's what should have been done, right? Now, how does this apply to me? Well, God honors those who value others. God honors those who put others first. God honors those who are one anothering one another. When's the last time you one another somebody? I don't know, Kurt. Sounds kind of dangerous. I don't know. You know what? Now that I think about it, we don't even know what the sermon's about. How is that? Here's Jesus preaching, and we don't even have an outline. I love outlines. I'm an outline guy. I'm one of those guys who has to fill in all the blanks. Anybody like that here? I have to fill in the blanks. I love an outline. Good outline. We don't even have an outline from Jesus. 
God is in the house. Come on, somebody, let's keep a journal. We don't have an outline. We don't, we don't know what the sermon was about. Or maybe Jesus said, you know what, guys? I'm just not feeling it today. This, this is, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not on my game. Let's not write this one down. I'm just not feeling it today, all right? Imagine that. What would that have been like if Jesus would have said that? Um, but imagine Jesus maybe after the sermon. He goes over to the guys. Uh, what are you writing there? What, what, what is that? I didn't, I didn't say that. Why did you write that down? Oh, okay, I said that first part, yeah. I said man cannot live on bread alone, but I didn't say it needs peanut butter. I erased that. Very funny guy, Matthew. Always a wisecrack, Matthew. I didn't say that, so let's erase that. Come on now. But he didn't do that. He didn't say that. But there's been times where I'm going, I'm not feeling it. I, I, I'm just not feeling it. Um, I, I've prepped some sermons where, where I thought, you know what? This is going to knock them dead. This is going to be a home run. This, this is going to really blow the house down. And then I preach it and God comes to me and says, you know, Kurt, you, you, I, don't you tell me when I'm going to show up. Don't you tell me I want to do something great. You can huff and you can puff and you, you ain't going to blow anybody's house down. I'll tell you when I'm going to do that. And then there's been times where I've prepped not as much as I should have. And I go and afterwards I go, oh man, that was horrible. That was just terrible. Terrible. And then somebody comes up to me and goes, oh, pastor, you were speaking right at me. I don't know how you do it, but you just, God, God just really met me there. And I go, wow. I mean, I, 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 that was, had to be God because I wasn't anywhere, anywhere to be found. I couldn't even find the bulletin. But somehow God does that. Right? And that was all God. And that's how he works. It was a Saturday several years ago. And I was at a baseball game. My son Cole was playing a little base, uh, Babe Ruth baseball. We, were in, we lived in Eugene. And, and we were at a multi-field complex. And it was a beautiful place. It was a beautiful day. And the sun was shining. There were some clouds in the, the sky. I was just really enjoying sitting at a baseball game watching my son play. And while I was watching the game, I was working on my message for the next day. And I'm taking notes and I'm thinking things and writing things. And, and you know those little funnel, wind funnels that come along like a dust mini uh, little tornadoes? And we think nothing of them because they're, they're so small. Well, one of them was passing through, passing by, and before I realized it, it had gotten close enough where it had picked my notes up off of the bleachers. And it carried my notes off of the bleachers. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I, I, I ran down. I'm jumping down off of the, as fast as I can. By the time I get down there, it's 20 feet away. And so I'm running through the complex chasing down my sermon notes. I'm in like save the sermon notes mode. And I'm thinking, I got to get these notes. I got to be able to have this tomorrow. And by the time I reached them, the wind funnel, the little tornado, had picked them up off of the ground. All of a sudden, my notes are out of reach. And I'm thinking, well, I'll just wait around until they come back down because 
Now, that's how things work. The notes began to go up and up like a balloon. It went up so high, it, went, it disappeared into the clouds. I never saw my notes again. They were gone. I thought, like, how does this happen? This is happening to me. And, and, and so I thought to myself, well, there's got to be a reason. Either God doesn't want me to preach this, and maybe he delivered it to somebody else. Maybe there's another pastor who needed them. I don't know. But they were gone. That's all I know. Or, and I like to think of this second one, they were so good <laughs> that even God himself wanted those notes. They ended up in heaven. He says, I need these. I've got a packed house on the streets of gold. And I need a sermon. That could be, I don't know. I know I didn't preach that message. We don't know what the sermon was. And in Mark 2, the interruption became the story. In Mark chapter 2, the miracle became the story. We don't need an outline. We don't need a sermon. Just the way God planned it. What would you rather have? A good outline? A really good outline? I can see some of you after church. You're at lunch. Oh, Mary. That was the best outline. I've never seen alliteration in all my life. 20 Peas. I don't know how he does it. Would you rather have a great outline? Would you rather have a really nice outline? Or do you want a miracle? I'll take the miracle. Do you want a really good sermon? Or do you want something that you're actually going to remember? Because a lot of people aren't going to remember this by Wednesday. All right? Except for the notes that flew up into the sky I never saw again. That's probably the only takeaway that most people will have. But Jesus knew how to create unforgettable moments. And he knew exactly what he was doing. Rather than going home that day, by Wednesday, forgetting what Jesus had said, they were going to go home. And for the remainder of their earthly lives, they would remember that a paralyzed man walked. And that would change their lives. That's Jesus. And that's the faith and intensity of the four men, the four people who carried that man. You know why? Because somebody had the audacity, the unmitigated goal to interrupt the church service. To carry their friend and do something outrageous like come through the ceiling. And Jesus is going to take advantage of that. Peter Walker. And you know Jesus, he just went with it. That's what I like about it. He, he wasn't interrupted by this. This wasn't an inconvenience to him. He turned it into a miracle. There was a guy named Peter Walker and he wrote a book called The Steps 
of Jesus. And it's an illustrated guide. You can, you can get it on Amazon. It's an illustrated guide of the places that Jesus went. And I thought, you know what? I'd like to write a book. I'll call it The Stops of Jesus. I haven't seen that book out, The Stops of Jesus. About all the different times where Jesus was interrupted, where he was stopped, and there's a lot of them. And we just learn, all we do is learn about how Jesus, you know, handled the interruptions of life. Wouldn't that be great? There's a lot of times I'm interrupted. I don't like interruptions. We, no, nobody likes interruptions. In fact, this is a good place to state the obvious. We don't like interruptions. Nobody does. They're inconveniences. But interruptions are often the times where ministry takes place in our life. And it's the same that happened for Jesus. He had a lot of inconveniences, a lot of stops, a lot of interruptions. But that's where the ministry took place. That's where the miracles took place. And Jesus could have said, you know what, guys? Hold on. Wait. Stop. I was up until 4 a.m. writing this sermon. Now, who do you think you are to interrupt? I still got one more point. And I was going to have an altar call. Now what am I going to do? Can you imagine if that was what he wanted to say? Oh, we don't like interruptions. And some of you remember telemarketing calls. You're old enough to remember the telemarketing calls on landlines. Remember that? Remember when they'd always interrupt your dinner time. It was real annoying. Hello? Am I interested in a timeshare? <laughs> no, gee, gee, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now, but, but if you give me your home phone number, I'll call you later. Oh, I guess you don't want people calling you at home. Well, now you know how I feel. <laughs> Remember that? We don't like them. We hate interruptions. They're inconvenient to us. We just want to get through them. But God's not interested in whether or not we like them. He cares about what we're going to do with them. And he cares about how we're going to use them to, to build the kingdom. And to build relationships. Because that's why you can't look at interruptions as inconveniences or irritations. You have to look at them as opportunities. And when you treat an interruption as an opportunity, you're going to find and be amazed at what God can do through them. Now I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 Verses 19 through 25. We're going to look at Acts 9, 19. It's a wonderful story about a group of Christians who held the rope for, for then young Paul. Who was still called Saul at this time. He was a brand new Christian, new in his faith. But he was going to become the greatest missionary who ever lived. Verse 19 goes like this. For several days, Saul stayed with the Lord's followers in Damascus. 
Well, let me give you a little background here because the reason Saul was going to Damascus in the first place was to persecute Christians. He didn't like the way. He didn't like this new, new religion. He didn't like Jesus. He wanted to destroy it all. But on his way to Damascus, God stops him in his tracks, does a number on his life, all right? His life does a 180, and now all of a sudden, he's defending the faith instead of demolishing it. So we go to verse 20. It says, soon he went to the Jewish eating places and started telling people that Jesus is the Son of God. Everyone who heard Saul was amazed and said, isn't this the man who caused so much trouble for those people in Jerusalem who worshiped in the name of Jesus? Didn't he come here to arrest them and take them to the chief priests? We've basically, we've been afraid of this guy. Now, this lunatic, all right? Remember, Saul was the guy who stood by and approved of the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And now he's in the same boat as Stephen. Now he is like Stephen. And some guys are still not buying it. So look at verse 22. Saul preached with such power that he completely confused the Jewish people in Damascus as he tried to show them that Jesus is the Messiah. They're like, what is happening here? What's going on here? How'd this guy do a 180? We don't understand it. I can't believe it. In fact... In verse 23, it goes on to say, Later, some of them made plans to kill Saul. But he found out about it. He learned that they were guarding the gates of the city day and night in order to kill him. Then one night his followers let him down over the city wall in a large basket. I want to give you three observations about Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> Number one. Paul almost never became a great missionary. Almost never. Brand new Christian, getting started, getting his feet wet, almost lost his life in Damascus, almost lost his life before he ever got his ministry off the ground. But the followers saw this young, zealous, energetic guy. He was probably aggravating more people than winning people to the Lord at this time. They saw this young, zealous guy and said, we'll risk our own lives and we'll hold the rope for this guy. Lead him to safety. Incredible. It began to make a difference in his life. Now, when I look around our church, we have babies in the nursery right now. They're crying. They're whining. They're messy. They're noisy. All your parents are going, you're not talking about my kid. <laughs> my kid's perfect. Oh, I forgot to mention. You know what babies are? They're noise on one end, irresponsibility on the other. That's, that's what, that much we know. What we don't know is what they're going to become. We don't know what they're going to grow up to be. 
All right? And so that much we don't know. But what, there, there could be a Christian leader back there. There could be a pastor back there. There could be a missionary or a church planter or maybe somebody who's going to attend a, a life group or lead a life group or be in a men's or women's ministry one day. We don't know that. Our job is not to determine that. Our job is to go and come alongside of these babies, to come alongside of these kids, these teens, our neighbors, and make a difference. When I was a kid growing up in Portland, attending the church in St. John's, where I grew up with my family there, there was a lot of people in that church who wanted to get rid of me as a kid. They couldn't wait for a little Kurt to get out. I was one of those kids, very mischievous, always wondering how does this work? What happens if I stuff this toilet roll into the toilet and clog it up? <laughs> what happens when I cut and tear up this Sunday school curriculum? I was that kid. I, I, they couldn't wait to get rid of me. And then I got a little older and I moved to Salem. And they're like, praise the Lord. He's gone. And I'd grown up in the church, but there was a time where I stopped going to church. And then my cousin said, hey, just, just try church once. Just, just give it a shot. And so I went and I, I went to Castle Park, Buckland Church, our, our sister church in Salem at the time, back in 1981. And Scott Wallace... The youth pastor was there, and I sat in the Sunday school class. I met him, and I had Sunday school, and then that was it. I never went back. Well, I didn't go back. But Scott called me every week. Kurt, you want to go to the youth group? No, I'm busy. Kurt, you want to go to the youth group? No, I'm busy. Always had something to do. Didn't want to go. Finally, he said, Kurt, we're going to North Fork. We're going to go swimming. You want to go? Finally, I reluctantly agreed to go, and I had the time of my life. My life did a 180. I got back on track. I never missed another Sunday. I kept going back and back and back. Why? Because some youth pastor held the rope for a kid that wasn't going anywhere. I didn't know what he saw in me. But thank God that that youth pastor never gave up. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. All because my youth pastor was willing to hold the rope. I look at the recent grads from our kids' ministry that we've poured into over the years. And we've got kids like Andrew, who's there, 12 years old, up here playing the bass in the back doing the, in the sound room, all right, making a difference. We got Kayla and Ashton who come on Sundays, and they just graduated, sixth graders coming back, and we serve the kids every time, every, every week coming back there, making a difference. We got teens like Melinda and Sarah who every week are back there making a difference and pouring into the kids, helping them to, you know, Make a difference. 
And Paul, he didn't have a chance to show what he was worth. But, and, and people looked at him and, and they saw promise. And, and we don't know who's going to grow up and do something great. We have no idea. They're going to do something significant. We don't know that. But our job is not to determine that. Our job is to pour into them. Our job is to come alongside of them and make a difference in them. I can tell you one thing. If I went back to my church in Portland and those ladies were still in that church, you know what they'd do? They'd be running after me with wooden spoons. I'd be like, I'm a pastor. I became a pastor. No. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. There's a thing called restitution. You owe us for what you put us through. That's why I'll never go back. Observation number two. Paul quickly learned that he needed the help of others. Paul wasn't a missionary very long before he learned one of the most important lessons early, and that was that he needed the help of others. And that's us, folks. We need the help of other people. We can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. He needed the help of others. And I'll give, I'll give you the reference, but I'm not going to read it today. It's, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's a great read. It's, the, it's the, the chapter that ends, I believe, 2 Corinthians. And Paul's basically talking about his journeys. The persecutions, the shipwrecks, the beatings. All of this stuff that has, take, has gone on in his life, in his ministry. And he gets to the end, and he gets to the end of the chapter, and here's how he ends the chapter. Of all the things that have happened to me, I'm just paraphrasing, but of all the things that have happened to me, the most important thing that ever happened to me occurred in Damascus when a group of fellow Christians held the rope for me and lowered me down the wall to escape the city. I realize how important people are. And Paul realized the only way he was going to be successful was with the help of their people. All right, observation number three, because others held the rope. Paul was greatly used by God. People are going to be successful when we come alongside of them. Some people may not need it. They're that way. But other people really benefit when we come alongside of them. And I've always wondered, did those people in Damascus, did they ever, did word ever get back to them what, what Paul became? Did word ever get back to them that he was changing lives and that, that he was literally becoming the greatest missionary that ever lived? I guarantee you people in Portland didn't know what I became. They had no idea. They thought, probably thought that poor lost soul. No one going nowhere. Do you think the news ever got back to Damascus of what was happening? I'd, I'd like to think so. I don't know if they heard. I hope they did. I kind of think that they probably did. Because people in Damascus believed in Paul. Because they believed in him, he was used by God. And I want to encourage you to hold the rope. For somebody, I, I, I don't want you to think, is there somebody else? I, I don't want us to recognize 
the people who, held, who, who want to hold them. I want you to look inside of yourself and go, how can I carry the corner of a mat? How can I hold the rope for somebody? This is about you and me. I don't know what that looks like for you. Within the church, we have people ministries. Not every ministry is a people ministry. But there are, there are people ministries like men's, women's groups, kids' ministries, you know, life groups. These are opportunities where you actually rub shoulders with one another and can affect one another. Oh, and by the way, um, a little shameless plug here. You want to do kids' ministry? All you got to do is come in the back. You may be wondering, you know, we'll background check you, and you can come back check us out. Because you may be wondering, why are they having so much fun back there? Sometimes you walk by, look back, see all the music, the dancing, the fun. Why, why do I smell popcorn? Why does it smell so good in this church like popcorn sometimes? I want to know. Come on back. You go, if I sign up for that, then, then you know what's going to happen? I'll be, I'll be stuck in there for years to come. <laughs> and I'll make a promise to you. You agree to come back and try it out. And you can do it twice. If by the second time that you facilitate that group, and you don't really have to do that much. But by the second time, if you have discovered, no, this is not for me, you can leave. Walk away and I won't say a thing. I'll say thank you. I just want you to try it out. That's one of the best ways that we can discover our gifts in the first place. I mean, you can take a test, but you're really not going to know until you get back there and try it. Wow, this is more than I thought it was. Tim knows what I'm talking about. He was back there this morning pulling his hair out. I mean, enjoying... <laughs> <laughs> it is a marvelous time. The kids back there are amazing. We've got great kids in our church. Some are graduated and they're up here on the, playing the bass. We're pouring into them. We have a mission. Before you get out of the fifth grade, you have to put your faith in Christ. Because we're not babysitting. We're raising people who want to make a difference in life. And you can do that. That was my by the way. All right, back. Outside the church, I don't know, it might look like a, a neighbor or a, a coworker or even a relative. There's somebody who needs a rope that needs to be held. And maybe God has already shown you this person and you, you've kind of put it on the back burner. You, you know who you're supposed to be, but you haven't been doing it. And I want you to re-engage with that idea. That's the most important thing you can do. Last week, one of our kids, Lyric, said to me, when can I get into the nursery? I love babies. I love holding babies. When can I get into the nursery and help? Didn't want to wait for an invite. She wanted to get right in. We don't have to wait for an invite. Just plug in. Find something to do. We don't need to wait around for an invite. And maybe last week helped out. Last week, Pastor Mike gave everybody a little card. And it said, it said, my name is, or something like that. I can't remember what it said. My name is, and here's my phone number or whatever. 
or uh, give me your phone number and let's connect. I love how God works. He's, we're talk, he's talking about friendship and we're going to the next level. And that's so important that we realize that there are people who need us to hold the rope for them or carry the corner of the mat for them. And we're off to a good start with people who maybe, maybe already have made some connections with somebody new. But there's a corner, there's the corner of a mat and, the, and, the, and, there's, and there's a rope that needs to be held. And that's what's going to take our church from, from this level now to the next. There's nothing more inviting, more encouraging, more contagious, more attractive than walking into a church and feeling and sensing the love. That's why I keep coming back. Oh, I thought you were on staff. No, I'm on staff. I keep coming back because I want to. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do. You're so good. So generous. I thank you for all that you've done in my life. I can, just, I can go back through my life and just one thing after another, how, how you brought people along into my life and guided it, directed it, and helped me to learn how to make choices that were good. And I thank you, Lord, that I have responded to opportunities of mat bearing or rope holding. And that's why I pray for each and everybody here that they will discover the rope. They'll discover the corner of the mat. And you'll lead them into a relationship where they'll realize and understand how powerful you can work through each and every one of us. Help us to walk out of here right now going, where's my rope? I'm incomplete without the rope. I'm incomplete without the corner. I've got to have it. Make Mountain View that type of church. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Thank you. And one more thing. Tomorrow, love somebody special. Happy Valentine's. God bless.